All right, welcome everybody to another episode here of the Stoic Agent Podcast, where we interview really interesting people that we uh, think have done some pretty neat things in different areas. And I got a really cool guest on here, Mr. Grant Muller, who was uh, referred to us through Bob Berg and the Go Giver Sells More. And um, got a pretty interesting story here. And um, Mr. Muller, I would love for you to kind of just kind of give us a little background. I, I know I let you know that I kind of skimmed the book and pulled out some of the nuggets that I thought were cool. We had everything from cock pistols to, you know, mother searching the local morgues for you and uh, a pretty, pretty tragic story that ended up being into something special. So welcome to the podcast and uh, tell us a little bit about your background, Grant. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. I, we moved to South Af- from South Africa to the U.S. when I was seven. And when we showed up, uh, I, w- I talked funny. And in middle school, it's kind of okay to have an accent and be cool. But in second grade, not so much. And so I learned very quickly to pretend to be someone I'm not, to fit in and to survive and, and be okay. And through middle school, um, more of my differences came to light. And again, I learned to hide who I was. And I found alcohol as a great way to hide from who I was. From the very first time I uh, had a drink, I felt like, wow, everything is okay in the world. I am finally okay with who I am. And I uh, felt the sense of belonging and warmth and love, as sick as that sounds, mm. as soon as I started drinking. So by the time I was in high school, I was drinking daily. Um, as I made it through high school somehow and traded work for uh, instead of alcohol. And I uh, just found that I preferred the side um, effects of workaholism to alcoholism. And so in the late 90s, I ended up at an internet startup. We all went public. Porsche, uh, we went public. Porsches, Ferraris started showing up in the parking lot. We were all rich, and I was absolutely miserable. I'd been pretending again to be somebody I'm not, so I hated the work. I had no interest in tech. And I remember the night we went public, I was sitting in my fancy condo overlooking Denver, and I thought, is this it? Like I finally made this millionaire by 30 thing and I don't like who I am. I don't like what I'm doing. I started drinking really heavily again. Within a few months, I was using Coke on a daily basis. Um, I lost that job within six months from there. It was a very quick downhill um, progression for me and um, moved to using meth from there um, and ended up homeless on the streets selling drugs to survive. Um, that's the quick the quick story. And luckily, I got clean and sober in 2008. I got my license in 2009, started at the front desk of a very large real estate brand, um, earning $9 an hour, and got my license after that. And the rest, as they say, is history. Mm-hmm. Incredible, man. What was your, so it was, uh, I think it was February 20th, right, was your sobriety date? Yes. Was that, you know, and there was a, a part of the book about you kind of your rock bottom. Was there, was there in a moment, like an epiphany of like, uh, I think of Pulp Fiction, right? Like uh, the moment of clarity, I guess, if you will, was there, was there something that hit you that just, was it all that day, that time on the deck there? And I mean, it sounds like you went further from there down the drinking realm. And yeah. Stuff. It's, you know, it's interesting because I know I'm asked that question a lot and, you know, in my case, I hit rock bottom. And then I just 
dragged myself along the bottom for years. I mean, years. It was a long time that I was at the bottom. And uh, I don't, you know, I guess really what it was at the end was I, I just, I knew I was about to die. And I, there was a, a dude that was after me that wanted to, to kill me. And I'll just, without giving you too many details, I'll just say I know for a fact that he was good to do that. Um, you know, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um, I was hiding from him in a crack house that was so disgusting and so dangerous that I used to refuse to go in there to sell them drugs. I used to make them come out to the street to buy drugs from me because I was afraid I wouldn't make it out alive if I went in. And now I was hiding in this place and I knew that as soon as this guy's gang members got to these people, they would sell me out for $5 worth of meth. He's right here. And I knew I was going to be dead. On top of it, I, I had, so I, I couldn't leave the place. So there was no way to get, and they weren't going to give me, I had no money. They weren't going to give me drugs. So it was, the, the bill was, rent was coming due. I had to do something to earn my keep there. And I was coming down off the drugs. So I was very, very sick and had bronchitis, et cetera. And so I somehow, I just stumbled out of that place, walked a few blocks um, to a payphone, um, which kind of dates the story a little bit, called my mom. And luckily she was willing to answer and help. And I said, it's me. She hadn't, as you said, she had been looking for me in the morgues. They hadn't heard from me. I had to disconnect from my family. One, because I didn't get to be with my family and use. Um, so I, I knew engaging with them would mean um, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. And I needed to do what I was doing. I needed to use. It's like breathing. It's like oxygen for me. And um, I also knew that if they were in my phone, it was very, very dangerous for them. I was hanging out with some very bad people. And they could be used as leverage for all kinds of things. And so I called my mom. I said, it's me. Please come get me. I'm done. She came and got me. And um, that's not the end of that story. There's more in that book. It doesn't, it's not a beautiful ending. But within a few months, um, I finally got desperate enough that I gave up. And um, February 20th of 2008 is the last time I've used drugs or alcohol. Mm. That's incredible, man. Um I wanted to ask you as I was reading through this, um, and and you said something that kind of prompted it even further. You used to survive, like or to fit in, or survival. Like alcohol became the survival mechanism for you to be able to, I guess, navigate through normal society. What? kind of supplemented that and we're going to dig into some stuff a little bit later about you know i really like your your ladder from no like and trust a lot of people think that that's just where it ends and no like and trust and you take it even further and i'd like to discuss that a little bit later but like <clears throat> what do you think changed for you in your that that was the alcohol was the survival mechanism okay that that makes everything easier right what did you feel that, what did you find that you had to face that, or, or that you had to take on to supplement for the alcohol taking the, that survival role mechanism? So how did I replace it in a more healthy way? I had to get real about who I was. So um, I had to be okay with looking at all of me, 
and being okay with all of me and um and then being okay with showing up as i as i really am and so um and and i would say the other things that filled that hole that alcohol was filling uh would be uh belonging you know being a part of community um and in the beginning that was 12 step community it's now still 12 step community but now there are other communities mm. um so being a part of community belonging with that community but also belonging with myself um, being okay with who I really am. There's a spiritual connection. Um, so I have a connection to a higher power. Um, so there are lots of pieces that had to take the place that alcohol was taking, um, you know, and, and a million other things. I mean, coaching and therapy. And I mean, I could go on and on and on. I require a lot um, to function at a reasonable level, let alone um, to try to function at a high level. Mm. At your core, let me ask you this. Do you think, so connecting with community, absolutely, support and all that. Do you find that there's also, I don't know how to phrase this, but like community that we create within? Because if somebody's not there to call, we have to be able to call on ourselves, to be strong for ourselves. Yes. Do, you, do you think there's something in that of like creating this? Because we all have, like my, one of my friends talks about the committee that they've always got Absolutely. something to say about it. They've always got something to say. It's like yeah. kind of bringing that community of these disparate personalities that we have together. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I still act out, but now maybe acting out is a bag of Cheetos, right? Um, you know, I was on the way um, to, I did a um, another podcast interview earlier this morning and I was kind of laughing to myself because I'm the top of hard guy in the car and my little road rage showed up for me this morning, you know, and um, it's embracing all of that about me. Um, now, the cool thing is I didn't get out of the car and run over to that guy's car and you know, do all the things that maybe I would have done 10 years ago. Uh, and 20 years ago, I probably would have been, you know, I probably would have stolen the car. <laughs> Right. So things got better, but they're not perfect. And uh, so I think sometimes embracing those pieces of me are great. Embracing the fact that, um, yeah, I like to go to the gym and work out. I should say that more accurately. I work out at home on a tonal. If you don't have one, they're amazing. Um, but some days I have very, very mediocre workouts. And that's okay because it's way better than no workout. So so I think it's about learning not to always be, you know, not to be all or nothing about things. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I didn't make the calls I wanted to make to connect with clients, but maybe I made one. Yeah. Or maybe today um, I needed to watch an hour of Netflix um, a little earlier in the evening than, than normal. And those things are all okay. So Yeah. So connecting with all those pieces, like you said, um, being okay with all of them, finding some some agreement between all of them is powerful. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So it is like this committee that we have, this community that we have. Um, I forget the guy's name. He's going to escape me, but he's an anti-aging guy. His name's Brian. I, I just started consuming his stuff. But he actually talked about what you mentioned there of like, you think, okay, this was 10 years ago, Brian. This is 20 years ago, Brian. Do you ever kind of, he talks about that he actually watches that personality when he tells that personality no we're not doing that and he literally can see that person pulling a tantrum 
saying, no, this is the way I want to do it. And you're like, no, that's not the way that we're going to do it. Yeah, that's interesting. I have I have a different relationship and, and it's not as specific as that. But yeah, I think that um, I have those conversations um, in different ways. And uh, I think there are, I, I have my non-negotiables, mm. right? Um, so I will not use alcohol no matter what. Will not drink no matter what. I will not eat after seven p.m. no matter what. Well, that seven p.m. non-negotiable. It's it's a little different kind of non-negotiable. It's hard, but it's not absolutely rigid, right? Yeah. Um. So there are times when I will eat after seven p.m. But um, there there are just a few things that I absolutely know. You know, um, I will be loyal in my relationship. Um, uh, I will not use alcohol and drugs no matter what. So there's certain things. So just understanding what those differences are for me, and then over time, adding to those non-negotiables. So making that 7 p.m. non-negotiable a real non-negotiable, right? Right. You hear the difference I have as I talk about them. Yeah. So bringing more and more things to my high-performance mindset um, so that I can build myself up. Does that, uh, do you give yourself like a rewards thing um, to, to kind of, I guess, shore up that behavior? Because you're not going to hit it every time, but how do we get closer to that? Do you do like little kind of rewards out of boys type thing? It there's certain things I do that for. Um, most mostly no, because honestly, it's the intrinsic rewards that that really drive me. So it's more about anchoring in the feeling that I have when I'm doing the thing that feels right. Mm. So it's more about taking the time to be quiet and still create some intention how I want to feel after doing that. And then really saying, wow, let me give you an example. I almost never want to work out. Never once, not once, have I ever left the gym or stopped working out and thought, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. It always feels good. So I tried to really anchor in that feeling of feeling good so that I build that new neural pathway, if you will. I love that. Um, do you think, I guess we could meet in the middle in this, because I hear that you actually are, which is another <clears throat> kind of life hack that I'm hearing a lot out there is to connect with the activity that gives you that sense of satisfaction. Like, okay, yeah, this does make me feel good. I know that just doing this makes me feel good and this is the right thing to be doing. So I'm just going to anchor into that feeling by doing that. Output over outcome. Love it. Output over outcome. So that's why I wrote this book. I'm not thinking about how do I make it a bestseller? Um, How do I impress people? How do I do this thing? How do I finish this book even? It's just, how do I write 100 or 150 words today? That's it. Well, I want to dig into that because today's the launch, right? Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations, man. That's 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 exciting. We're number one already in four different categories. Nice. and Amazon has really changed the way that they do that. You can't game it like you used to, so it means a lot. I'm super excited. Hey, way to way to make it, not game it. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I really want to dig into this piece, man, because I'm all about that. I literally have people on my phone as KLT, no like and trust. Maybe you can help expand onto this with, um, you know, your heart is at the top, and then hands, and then head. So it goes yeah. no like trust. And then head, hands, heart. Talk to us a little bit about that ascension. Yeah, absolutely. So head is mindset. 
And there are a few different pieces in mindset, but some really key pieces. Number one is being real. So, and, and the authenticity word is used a lot. Um, and I think it's used for a reason. I think it's really valuable. But what I mean by getting real is not just figuring out who we really are, but what are our values? What are the beliefs that drive us? And not because we've been told to believe them, but because we truly believe them. Spending time really honoring and figuring out who we are. I had to do that to save my life. So I got the benefit. I'm so lucky that I'm an addict because I got to go to 12-step meetings and learn how to be real for the first time in my life. And when I was real, that's when I was invited into that community. When I showed up as I really was, that's when I belonged to myself. So, so that's getting real. Um, being present, really showing up and being present with the people we're with, um, being open. So there are lots of pieces to getting to mindset, um, but th that's the key. So the first one is mindset. Now, it's great if you get real and authentic, but if you really authentically are not a good agent, it's not going to help you. Um, or you know, in any sales career, whatever part of your life you want, it's not just good enough to be real. Um, but once we've been real, we need to say, what's next? Where can I be excellent? What excellence can I bring to this? Where do I need to build better skills? And I've been coaching agents for quite a few years. But what I found was I would share what's working for me, and most of the time they wouldn't apply it because they didn't have the right habits and skill sets to apply it. So if I share with you that I go to lunch, I always say I lunch for a living. And so I go to lunch with all my clients, and you try to do that, but you don't bring the same passion and enthusiasm and comfort with who you really are to that lunch you're not going to have the same impact I do, and you're not going to have the same results. And the other part is people who, so people would either practice the thing and not have the same results, or they wouldn't practice the thing at all. So um, when I found high-performance coaching, um, we, I, I realized this was the missing piece. And so in skill set is partly building the habits of high performance and the excellence in whatever your business is, making sure that, um, for instance, if you're doing listings, that you're marketing your listings at a level of excellence for who you are, what works for you. Right? For instance, I love video. Many people don't, so that's okay. But finding the things that you want to build your excellence around, finding what makes you special and unique, and developing on that. So that's, um, that's hand or skill set. And then if, you're, if you know who you are, when you've got all these great skills, but you're not connecting with people in a deep, meaningful manner, you're not going to build your business. Now, you might be able to build transactions and start over deal after deal, but if you want to have repeat and referral business, then it's all about creating real, meaningful human connections with those people we're with. And that's the heart or heart set. So heart sets all around just bringing the human back into business. Couple of examples. Um, nobody wants to work with the Grant Muller Group. Nobody cares about the Grant Muller group, except me and maybe the logo designer. That's it. People don't want to buy from businesses. They want to buy from people. Um, very few people care about my email newsletter. Do I do it? Yes. I send it out because I want to make sure people are reminded that I'm in real estate and that we have some level of excellence. Same thing with social media. But being person to person, 
creating meaningful relationships is where it's all at. I was just telling you before um, we started today, I just, like two minutes before I talked to you, got the biggest deal of my life under contract. And it happened from a nonprofit board I was on uh, many years ago. I've done at least 300 grand in income from this one nonprofit board where I got to show up and serve my community in the way that I truly want to. And I developed some relationships there. And one of the relationships was the person who referred this deal to me. And um, she didn't refer this deal to me because she knows me or likes me or trusts me. She referred this deal to me because I am her and she is me. We are simpatico. It was easy for her just to simply, it was a, it was just a natural thing to say, oh, you, you've got to talk to Grant. And by the way, if you don't use Grant, I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> That's a different kind of referral, right? Yeah. So you know how it is if you can imagine one of your clients and they're at lunch with five of their friends and one of the friends says, oh, look, we're, we're thinking about moving soon. Is your client going to wait for their friend to say, do you know who I should call? Or is your client going to say, jump in right then and there and say, absolutely. By the way, if you're thinking about selling, you need to call Alex right now. And if you don't, you're buying lunch today and I'm heading out. I mean, you're right. I mean, it happens. And so um, I had one client, I had one seller. I went to a listing appointment. At the listing appointment, it goes really well. And he says, great, I'd love to hire you. Awesome. By the way, he says, do you know so-and-so? And I say, yeah, that's my business partner I own the brokerage with. Why? Oh, because he helped me buy this house. And I think he's like the best agent in, the, in town. I said, well, why didn't you call him? And they said, because so-and-so who referred me said, you absolutely have to use this guy. Now, that's a referral. And so um, the reason I go on and on about that is those things come from heart set. They don't work if we're not skilled and if we don't have the right mindset. But heart set just takes things to an absolutely, totally different level. Sorry to preach there, but. No, that's spot on, man. I'm I'm thinking all those KLTs that I needed to get the uh, heart in there more because I know I got the skills, right? So that's the hand. I mean, I'm trying not to be, yeah, but. I thank you for that because, like, it is talk. You're talking really about it's not just to to the know, like, and trust. It is that they know you care that much that they're going to supplement someone else that they think they should go with, and and it's you. That's a great story. So, when you're um when you're coaching agents out there, let's just shift gears here a little bit. Um, what is kind of probably some of the biggest misnomers that agents have? that you think that you could deploy into them right now or offer to them to maybe shift their thinking a little bit about, you know, their business? Oh, there are so many. Do, we, do, you, do you have seven to eight hours to go through those? Um, the, a few of my favorites. Number one, um, this overnight success stuff that our industry sells agents is poison. And it's not just our industry, it's many industries. But um, it can be, I think that over time, this business can be very lucrative and um, very rewarding, and it doesn't have to be hard. That's really good news. The bad news is it takes a little bit of time to get there. And so um, I always share with agents who are 
Um, I, I tend to work with agents that are further along, but if I talk with agents that are just starting out, I just tell them, look, think about a rocket ship that's leaving Earth. And, you know, it deploys all of that thrust. You see all those flames coming out of the thing? And it doesn't even leave the pad. It just sits there. Love that. And it takes a lot. And that's what starting a business is. You know, it takes an unreasonable amount of effort to make a very, very disappointing, mediocre result in the beginning. But over time, as that rocket lifts, it gets easier and easier. And eventually, if you don't take your foot off the accelerator, and that's the key, mm. you keep pushing, you end up out of the atmosphere, and then this thing just glides along. And you just little little effort, and it goes so far. Um, so that's a big one. I, th- I think it's a really big one. The second one is um, we've got to remove the transaction focus and add the relationship focus. So I don't think about people like targets and leads. I just think about them like relationships. And I trust that people in my community, I call it my community instead of my sphere, um, that they know that I'm a realtor. They see me on social media. That's what social media is for, that email newsletter. But in between, I'm just worried about them as people. Um, So instead of chasing those transactions, I just want to add value in people's lives. And I know that sounds um, maybe a little cheesy, I'm not, I'm very money focused. Um, I have big goals, so don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just willing to set them aside for a moment so that I can build the relationships because I know that's where the money will come from. Mm. Those are some good ones, man. I love that rocket on the pad. It takes an, an unreasonable amount of effort and energy and time to prepare that rocket even before you even flip yeah. the flip the switch, right? Like it just takes so much of that on the front end and we don't get that instant gratification. Do you think that's a lot of it as well? I mean, it's went through the drug thing, right? Like it's a quick fix. And if we get, I know that I I try to implore upon the agents in my group and I'm trying to be vulnerable that in the beginning, I was very money driven. Like it was literally, I saw bags of money on top of people's shoulders. And that, and literally I saw that like cartoon almost. And that has gone you know, over a decade ago. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it was an instant gratification then to your point, it was just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, and didn't really yeah. build the relationships. And, you know, I think I got caught in that instant, and the, you continue to get caught in that instant gratification, like the drugs or alcohol or great metaphor, right? And then you realize it's empty. Yeah. I, I will say a couple of things there. One, I had a client early on, I remember them inviting me to lunch. And I thought, what are you talking about? We just closed this deal. Like there is no money on this table. You're not buying another house anytime soon. I didn't say this to them, but I thought it and I declined. I said, I'm sorry, I've got another appointment. You know, it's just an unbelievably different mindset than I have today. Uh, and now today I like to call them at seven days after closing and say, is there any, how's the house? Is there anything I can help with? How are you doing? It's the golden hour of referrals because they know that that we just got paid. And so um, I just completely flipped that around and I couldn't agree with you more, but I've been there. If I had taken all of the online lead generation that I converted back in 2010, 11, 12, 13, if I had not just ditched those relationships as soon as it was done, I probably would be retired by now. I mean, it would be incredible what I could have done if I had known. So I implore agents to really think about just building the relationships. By the way, I always talk here about no need to pretend a friend. 
So there are people who I've become friends with naturally, and then there are people who I have good associations with, and we might catch up once a quarter or we might go to lunch, but they're not necessarily friends. I don't pretend to be everyone's friend. I let the relationship naturally progress to where it wants to, just like in real life, because this is real life. And so I tend to have very few real close friends. That's who I am. But I have tons of people I enjoy their time with. And um, I think that that distinction is important. We don't have to pretend to be, again, someone we're not. And also, if I'm making my quarterly conversation connection with you, and your name comes up at two quarters in a row, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to Alex. I would probably just delete you from my um, CRM. No need to to have that in my life. Um, and that means I don't care if you live in a four million dollar house. If you don't bring me energy and joy, I don't want I don't want to deal with you every quarter, and I don't want to send you a birthday card every year. It's just too much energy when you put energy into your sphere like that. Mm. Do you think that a lot of people? I mean, I think we're onto something here that. Like we can get addicted to different things that are an outside source to make ourselves inside feel temporarily um, connected, like you were at South African and still were that, you know, scared kid that got picked on and all that. And you supplemented that. Do you think that can happen for some? I mean, I see out there people that are doing well on paper and that are, you know, again, it's a cautionary tale about that money yeah. doesn't bring the happiness. Um, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this other than I feel like that money can be a trap, similar to drugs and alcohol. I think uh, it depends on what the thing is for you. So um, when I was in my addiction, I got almost more addicted to selling drugs than I did. I, I sold drugs like a workaholic. Um, you know, I didn't hang out to party like a lot of drug dealers do. I was, I was nope, I got to go to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And I got addicted to the next one. Well, that same thing can happen with transactions. Um, you know, when you're doing really well in real estate, when things are really good, you don't even have time to count the money. I don't care about the money. It's like, I just want the next one. I want to know I can do it. I want to know, um, I just, you know, you get to that more and more and more mentality. Um, and the when you chase like that, you do so much less business than when you allow. And I get it. When you're hungry, it's really it's really irritating when people say stuff like that. I totally get it. At the end of the day, we've got to provide for ourselves, and that's the end-all be-all when it comes to money. But beyond that, we've got to think about how we want to use that energy that is money in our lives and what's most important for us. And you know, when I first started having some success in real estate, I mean, I was doing all the, I was buying all the stuff because I hadn't had it, you know, and it felt good. And um, I think that that's perfectly natural and okay. So again, money's like everything else. I'm not super judgmental about it. I like my nice things. And I also love to watch the way that that money can impact other people's lives. But probably the most important thing about um, money is that in the real estate deals, I don't have to be attached to that outcome anymore. And that makes me a much better agent. And when you walk into a listing appointment and you don't have to have it, it's so hard not to get it because <laughs> people feel that about you. Um, if you, you know, excuse me for this analogy, but I call it the stench of the unlaid. You know, it's like somebody at the, <laughs> somebody at the nightclub, you know, 
who just wants it a little too much is not going to get it. Um, and so when we have, we have what we already want, we will get it. And so what I say is achievement comes from fulfillment, not the other way around. So when we're fulfilled and we're, and I mean fulfilled with love and joy, a spiritual connection, whatever that means for us, when we're fulfilled with who we are and we're fulfilled with our business and we're joyful, we show up with a different energy and in a different way. And that is incredibly attractive to people. And so then our business grows. So that's where fulfillment comes from. If you chase achievement for fulfillment, as you just said, you're going to end up really, really unhappy. I love that. You just reminded me of an old saying that we kind of came up with that alignment brings abundance. So if you're aligned with the right approach, that will bring the abundance. It's not achievement does not bring abundance. I right, that. like achievement. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was a good one. Right, like yeah. aligning with the right things. And again, to your point, a lot of people don't want to hear it. They, you know, because it's not that instant gratification. And you, you know, you, you smile at somebody and they, you know, wince at you back or whatever. You know, like, like I don't. That path sucks. Like that doesn't yeah. work. It takes time, right? It takes time to recondition and realign yourself. And not be attached to, again, in the beginning, it could be the drugs and alcohol. And then there's this massive void of like, how do I even feel good? I've had people on my team before that, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm depressed and I just would like to take some antidepressants so that I know what it feels like to feel good. And I'm like, man, that's a, that's a, that's like a heck of a vortex to be in. You, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, cause you were down in the depths of that, man. Like, yeah. Maybe you're talking to that person out there that is just really mired in this. And how, how do you, what, what would you say to them? Number one, get help. Number one, reach out to somebody for help. And um, number two is get moving. It's really, really, really hard to be depressed if you're moving, if you're mm -hmm. in motion of some kind, whether that's physical movement or moving in your life. Um, you know, in some days, putting your dirty dishes in the dishwasher is an incredible achievement. And if that's what you need to do to begin, then begin there. You know, start with the little things, take action, make tiny promises to yourself and keep them. And again, sometimes the promise is I'm going to shower today. Uh, it just depends on where you're coming from. Um, but, but mostly get help because I just believe that I can't get clean, but we can. Mm. You know, and I think that that's, that's the, also the top of heart thing. It's going from me to we. And so together we can do so much, but we need help. There are no self-made people. You know, those self-made people are driving on the roads that we help pay to pave. So, you know, there's no such thing. We, we need each other. And I think that reaching out for help is really, really important. I love that, man. Well, so finishing on this, I think we're going to need another podcast after you uh, go straight to the stop, the top 10 sellers here. Um, is there anything that you'd, you'd like to share with the audience uh, kind of in, in a final encapsulation here? You, I would highly recommend, I'm going to, you sent me the pre-published book, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to finish that, man. I, I did a, I did a quick skim through and thank you. You got a great writing style, by the way. It, it's very kind of prose-esque. I like that writing style. Um is there anything that you'd like to leave the audience with, my man? Thank you. So you can find me at grantmuller.com. Um, and yes, please buy my book. Please review the book on Amazon. In 
writing books, it's more reviews are even more important than in real estate. It's just it drives everything. It's crazy. Um, but what I would say, what I'll leave you with is um I think it's really important to recognize that stories like mine, again, aren't they're about me doing a lot of work to make my life better, but they're about all the people that helped along the way. And so please reach out for help in whatever way you need it, whether you need a coach to get to the next level, you need a bookkeeper to get to the next level, um, or you need a therapist to get to the next level, reach out for help and then turn back and reach out your hand and help somebody who's one step behind you. Mm -hmm. Don't wait until you're at this beautiful place where your life is perfect. And I learned this in recovery. I just have to be on step two in the 12 steps to be a sponsor for someone who's just beginning. So reach out and help someone that's one step, one step behind. Great final message. Well, audience, uh, you know where to check out the book, uh, Top of Heart. Check it out on Amazon. Review it. Love it. Check it out. It's uh, from what I've read. It was it was awesome, and I appreciate you spending the time with us. And uh, I know I got some great notes here to to deliver with my s smaller audience about what you brought. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Grant. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.